Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show... I am Dr. Shay Malone. I am the Assistant Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion here at Northwest. And I use she her pronouns. Welcome. So glad to have you. Yes, Yay! very glad to have you. Yes, I'm All glad right. to be here. So, Assistant Vice President, please explain to us what do you assist a vice president? Please tell us what assistant vice president, what your title kind of entails. Sure. Um, I have no idea. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that makes three of us. <laughs> yes, I feel much better. Um, I don't know either with my. <laughs> I have been at the university for tomorrow would be three months. So I've hit that 90 day mark, I guess, where I will stop talking about my previous institution. So people will be like, I'm tired of hearing about that coming here from University of South Carolina, where in Columbia, South Carolina, where I was director of the Multicultural Center and diversity officer for the institution. Um, and now I am the assistant vice president of diversity and inclusion here with the Bearcats. And what I do is I oversee all diversity and inclusion initiatives, policies, procedures, um, helping our institution become more inclusive. We strive for inclusive excellence. Well, we strive for all excellence, but my job is to ensure um, that we strive for inclusive excellence within our students, faculty, and staff. And I also oversee the TRIO department um, that has three other departments. So working not only with the institution, but my job is to also work with the city of Maryville, um, our surrounding area to ensure that um, not only do we as Bearcats feel safe on campus, but within our community and that our city of Maryville is being more inclusive as possible. I think that's my job. <laughs> That's a really good explanation, I would say. Yes, excellent. Yes. And we've talked to several folks from the Diversity and Inclusion Office um, awesome. about kind of the mission of it here at Northwest. I'm interested, though, you said you came from South Carolina, from Columbia, yes. South Carolina. What mm -hmm. was it like moving from there to Maryville, Missouri? I would imagine that it's a little bit different of, um, of a city, of an environment, and different universities. Yeah. Here. I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee. So I have lived in Tennessee. I've lived in Missouri because I did my undergrad in St. Louis, Missouri as well, and worked at Vanderbilt University in Nashville uh, before I went to South Carolina. So I've been in higher ed for over 20 years. I'm still 25, but over 20 years I've been in higher ed. I'm coming from South Carolina. Of course, it is a bigger school. Um, it was the system campus. So um, like here, I guess the, the best contemporary is looking at and at USC, we said the other Columbia, um, because Columbia, Missouri is where you have the flagship University of Missouri. And 
everyone looks to that institution as the public institution for the state and we kind of follow them um, in that aspect. That's what um, I had to do with at South Carolina as the flagship. Um, so not only did I set the tone for the other public institutions um, within the state, but we also did a lot uh, because it was the capital working within the city. So a lot of racial healing, um, a lot of those different things, um, because in South Carolina, we still have the Confederate flag hanging from the state house, and a lot of people felt uncomfortable with that. Um, so um, a lot of that um, had to do with going through the city, making sure that we understood the history, um, the context of some of those symbols of racism, of all the isms, really, but really for that Confederate flag, it was that symbol of racism that we perpetrated through the state. So um, really the biggest thing for the move was the weather, which I'm still afraid of. <laughs> you haven't seen it um, yet, right? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the snow yet. It's still 90 degrees in October, so um, I'm okay with this. But also um, coming to a small town, I would say Maryville is small, but mighty, but I like it because there's still everything that I need to be comfortable um, within the city. And if I really want wings, I can go to St. Joe and go to Wingstop. So it's not <laughs> <laughs> as small as people seem. So it's a, it's a very cool place. And I can play with cows if I wanted to. So that's the other thing I love about Maryville. People never mention that on the podcast. You might be the first person who said that you could play with cows while I in can Maryville. Play with so cows. there you go. Yeah. And horses and touch yeah. corn. I mean, like it's just as a first generation college student, uh, my grandfather owned a farm acres and acres. So I'm um, coming here when I saw that, you know, where we are in the ag center, I was like, I understand this because my family grew up in this. Didn't have cows though. So I'm excited. <laughs> fair, fair. So talking about going all the way back to uh, Little Shay, uh, did you always want to work in higher ed? Tell us a little nope. bit about your career journey. Well, you started when you were five, so you must have had it <laughs> yes, pretty yes, early. I, you know, started when I was five. No, I went to college. My undergrad was in dance and English. Um, I was a dancer. I was at conservatory from the time I entered middle school, high school, and then I went to college as thinking I was going to be a dancer in um, the American Ballet Company. I actually auditioned for ABA alongside Misty Copeland. So that is something I will tell you. She has no idea where I, if who I am, what I am. <laughs> But if you ask her, hey, was there a girl crying the entire audition? She would probably remember me because I cried through my entire audition because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a dancer. And I, I went to college and I was one of those students that was in student government. I joined a sorority. I did orientation. I was in student activities. I worked a work-study job in the dean's office, in the multicultural office president of several student organizations. And my role as a dancer kind of went away <laughs> because I was so involved with other things within the institution. And really, I understood diversity and social justice and helping people a little bit more uh, because of my work in the dean's office at our multicultural center at my undergraduate institution. 
And when it was time to graduate college, um, that's why I, I tell the story a lot because students can understand this as well. It was time for me to graduate from college. I didn't want to graduate. And I was doing everything possible to sabotage my graduation. I remember I had parking tickets and I didn't want to pay my parking tickets. And a faculty member paid my parking tickets because I couldn't walk if I didn't pay my parking tickets. I didn't buy my robe. I didn't do any of these things. And it was because I recognized that I went through college that entire time and that's not what I wanted to do. You know, so you get a bachelor's degree and you're like, what do I do with this? It was like an epiphany that I wanted to live to dance and not dance to live, if that makes sense. Um, I didn't want to worry about where my next meal was coming from or if I could eat because you couldn't eat as a dancer or <laughs> if you, you know, the, that life was not for me. And I'm not saying it's, a, it's okay if that's what people, it just wasn't for me. And I had a mentor ask me, hey, have you thought about going into higher ed? And I said, is that a job? Who does that? And she looked at me and said, what do you think I do? And I never considered being in higher ed as an actual profession. Um, never, never even thought about higher ed as a profession. And that's really how my journey in higher ed actually started. I started in admissions and I was the fine arts recruiter uh, because that was my connection. Um, so I started with that and then I recognized I was really invested in making sure that we had diversity in those classrooms uh, because I was one of three in the entire conservatory and I knew what that was like. So I was really invested in that. And once I started getting into higher ed, I knew it was more about not just getting students in, but how do they succeed? And so no matter what I did and in my career trajectory, I worked in admissions, I did orientation, um, I worked with international students, that was fun. Um, I worked in multicultural, I did conduct, um, that's not fun. Um, <laughs> student activities, <laughs> different things um, in my career. Um, I think I've worked in every department, even housing, um, every within every department of higher ed. No matter what I did, I was always looking out for underrepresented students. And that kind of where I am in higher ed, uh, because I think about all aspects of it. Um, but my goal is to make sure that we all succeed. And what does that look like? Does it make sure that we have a sense of community? Does it make sure that faculty and staff understand how they come across in the classroom, um, how welcoming they are in the classroom? That's helped kind of help students succeed. All those things are part of that inclusive excellence and, and striving for social justice. So um, like today we have our... And it's LGBTQ History Month. So I made sure if you see my shirt, make sure I wore an eyelash shirt and different things like that. So people can see that they have people who are there for them, helps them bridge, oh, this place understands me. This place accepts me. This place wants to make sure that I succeed. So that's how I came to my job here. And that was a long answer. I hope I answered that's a that. Gr that was a great no, was answer. Great, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I One of the things that you say or said kind of demonstrated there that I think is so important that 
a lot of people don't think about is that, especially students, right? Mm -hmm. They think of career and they think of jobs and they think of maybe the work that they're doing. But I love that you said, no matter what my job was, this work that I'm doing is right inclusion. So when you make that connection, hey, I'm the director of career services. I'm working on this. Hey, I'm the what the janitor. I'm working yeah. on this. Like you have that, you have that kind of sense of this is what I want to do or what I see, right? This is what I see and what I want to bring into the world. And honestly, the job is just one manifestation of that, you know, exactly. you're doing the work and you're doing it in whatever way that job allows you to do it. That's when I think, you know, like you have found your work, right? Yeah. You, you're calling. You're executing on that. I, I hesitate to call it a calling. I mean, <laughs> I, some people call it a calling um, I, philosophy, right? So you get all debatey on that, but you're doing that. Yeah. I call it my life mantra. At the end of the day, I want to make sure that this world is open to everything and everyone feels like they're a part of it. And so how do I do that? This job, this manifestation of that, but I also do it in other areas as well. And all the things that I learned in college kind of set me up for that. That's why I said when I graduated, I recognized that dance was not it. I could not figure out how to reach that in dance. And it took me even after I graduated, I was still being a professional dancer years after I graduated uh, with my undergrad. I thought I was going to go into nonprofit for a while, but I didn't recognize that until later on. Wait a minute, this is exactly what I want to do. How I do it, I'm going to work through higher education is how, so it is my profession. My profession is higher education, but my goal in life is to make sure that everyone is accepted. I love that. Very succinct. Mm -hmm. And Northwest is a good <laughs> yeah. place to do it because we have kids yeah. here who graduated with a class of 15 and we have people from, they lived, grew up in a place where there were 6 million other people. So, I mean, we've right. got kind of everything in between <laughs> at Northwest. So you really do have a good kind of melting pot of students yeah. to work with and all different experience levels and all different kind of backstories that they bring to Northwest. Absolutely. So it's a nice collective place where you can really kind of work on that holistic message of acceptance yeah. and openness and you know, you are welcome here. Like that for yeah. years, that was the international offices thing. And that was one of my favorite, <laughs> such a simple line, but really so true of what I think Northwest is like, you're welcome here. Like it doesn't yeah. matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background you're welcome. And we'll, we'll, we'll make you a, hopefully a more educated, better person by the time you're finished. So. Yeah. And, and again, everything that I learned at undergraduate, I tell students all the time is you have no idea the transferable skills that you gain from everything that you do in college. I mean, I were in my sorority, one of the things that I love to do was all the flyers for our programming and marketing for our programming. And years later, even if you look at our website and different things now, most of the flyers and marketing of our events for this year comes from me because that's my creative side that I can do. But I started doing that when I was an undergrad, you know? So those transferable skills that you learn from all those experiences kind of helps you, guide you when you're in your professions. Travis um, knows because he's our in-house graphic that's what designer I do as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. And yeah, it's nice. It's just one little part where you get to be creative and you know, yeah. flex those when muscles. You don't want to do a research or you don't want to write <laughs> an email. You go, let's make a flyer. 
I do podcast art. So I get yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what are some of the things the diversity and inclusion office is doing? Like, I know you guys do events and training opportunities. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things, you know, in your three months that you've been here that you guys have done or things that are on the, on the horizon, this will probably come out towards the end of the fall semester. So okay. things will maybe have been in the past, but that's okay. Cause we know it's all cyclical and comes back. I think about our office as twofold, the duality of diversity and inclusion. So we support all underrepresented students. And when I say underrepresented, those are everything that is considered kind of a minority in the world. Women, gender, sexual identity, race, or all those you know, wonderful complexities of our institution that kind of need that extra support, first-generation students and different things. So we support all of those underrepresented students so they can succeed at our institution. So some of our programs, we have uh, peer mentoring programs. We have a pre-orientation program, Jumpstart. Um, We have other um, different support We have a barbershop in our office and people don't think about that as support, but for a lot of people with different textures hair, they can't find that in Maryville. So we provide that support here. We have some naturalist stylists to come in, which they probably would do my hair as well, Uh, (laughs) uh, to come in and do women's or people with curly hair. Um, But we also have a barber that comes in that not only serves the underrepresented student population on campus, but they also serve the community. So you have some people coming in from the community to get their hair done. So that's our way of supporting. But we also educate the rest of the campus what it is to be diversity, equity, inclusion. So I lead the inclusive excellence plans for all colleges and departments within the institution that everyone has one. But also we have, I call it the fun stuff. It's the edutainment. (laughs) I love that. I I don't think I coined that word. I don't want people to say, yeah, you got that from somewhere else. But I say that word all the time and have no clue where I got it from. But edutainment is all those cultural immersion experiences that we provide really during the Cultural Heritage Month. So like this month is LGBTQ History Month. We just finished or will finish the Hispanic Latinx History Month. Uh, We'll do Native American. Um, We'll do Pride Month in June, Pacific Islander, Women's Heritage, Black History. I think I said Black History. But so we do events during that time um, so people can understand those cultural differences a little better. There's fun stuff. Like um, last week, we did Papel Picados. So it's the art that you see, the streamers that you see in all the Hispanic restaurants. And um, we had a conversation about what's the difference between Hispanic and Latin um, or Latinx. Um, So that's the conversation a lot of times people from Hispanic identities are having. And so next month we have a movie that we're showing and having a discussion afterwards, we're making bracelets and buttons, pronoun buttons and different things like that. The theme of this month is love is love. So we'll do a lot of different ways that we could do um, the love, um, show love of all identities. Um, but we also have educational programs too, certificate programs for diversity for students. We have a Bearcat book club for faculty and staff. Um, we have our social justice program for faculty and staff so they can sit in a classroom and learn like students do about um, diversity um, and inclusion and social justice work in academic spaces. Um, so those are some of the things that we offer. Um, but really, 
The other side is the policies and procedures um, that we look into for the institution to make sure that we're being as inclusive as possible of all identities. So one of my favorite historic (laughs) events that you do, and I don't know if you do it anymore, but I remember it it was one when I was a student and then it came back a a few years ago as an employee here, but it was called Africa is not a country. And it was, it's such a simple thing, but it's, you, you don't think about it. Like Africa is a collection of countries that are all yes. vastly different. So instead of thinking of it as a, a single thing, it talked about the individual ones. And it was a really, I remember I was in doing a presentation in the ag department and mentioned mm-hmm. that one time and like half the room was like, what do you mean? And it's like, you start to think about it. It was just what, just the name was so evocative, let alone the actual event where you went to and learned all about it. It was just a really cool, something so simple as, you know, a few words can really impact how people think about something. So I had not heard of that event, but I love that idea. So you never know because of you, it might happen next semester. (laughs) (laughs) I know that we're doing a Black Trivia Night for Black History Trivia Night um, as an event for Black History Month. We also are doing a movie. Um, I am a huge Spike Lee fan. Um, So we're showing Do the Right Thing if you've heard of that movie or seen the movie. And I know for some students, they're like, this movie is way too old. It came out in the 80s and 90s. I was more relevant today, though. (laughs) It's so relevant today. If you watch it now and you're going, this could have been the same scene from a week ago. So that's why we're going to talk. You show that movie and see the difference between then and now. We're also bringing in Reese Palmer. If you've heard of her, she is a African-American or Black country artist. So I know a lot of people love country music here, and it'd be great to see the representation of Blacks in country music. So that's one of the things we're doing for Black History Month. Yeah. Do you have any advice? We always ask for advice or tips or wisdom for someone who might be looking to work in DNI or if that's something they feel like they want to do moving forward, how do they kind of approach that in terms yeah. of job searching or finding positions? I have conversations with people that says, I want to work in social justice or diversity, equity, inclusion. And even in my field, you see a lot of uh, people of color um, are the ones that are leading it. And I say anyone can lead diversity, equity, inclusion work. The first step is know who you are. Know your privileges. Like I have educational privilege. Know what privileges you have. Understand your triggers. Understand what you know and what you don't know that you don't know, that kind of helps you assist others in understanding themselves, if uh, you having an understanding of yourself. And there's always trainings. There's always conferences. It might not be a diversity, equity, inclusion conference itself, right? Um, Because everyone's like, what conferences can I go to? But there's always snippets in other conferences that you can go to that helps you understand diversity, equity, inclusion, and read as much as possible. I am an avid reader, sometimes good, sometimes not. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I can tell anybody the books I'm reading right now, but there's so many excellent resources out there. We actually started putting some of our on our website in terms of podcasts, um, in terms of different books, in terms of different online trainings. Um, There's an anti-racism training that I've done a couple of times, but I'm going through it again to see if there's things that I can borrow 
not steal, that are in um, that training for some of the things that we have here. But it's just also, you are never an expert in diversity, equity, inclusion. And I think that for people who see me as an expert because of my title and people who say I can't do it because I'm not a director or I'm not in this field, I don't have all the knowledge. If you stop learning, then you're not an expert. And you always have to continuously learn as much as possible. There are people who ask me to come and do a diversity one-on-one. And there's so many topics in diversity that I say, okay, but what part? You know, (laughs) there isn't a diversity one-on-one because there's so many aspects of diversity that you don't necessarily understand. There's one about identity. There's one about social economic. There's different ways that you can understand it. So just always continue to learn and read (laughs) and understand others. Um, I always tell the story about how um, when I went to Vanderbilt, I oversaw 15 student organizations. And there was one organization, Southeast Asian students. And I recognized I didn't have any friends, didn't know anything about it. I didn't understand the Southeast Asian culture, Indian culture, anything. So I read as much as possible. I went online, I looked at a bunch of movies, I was to a podcast. This was all before I went to my first meeting. So I was trying to engulf myself in the culture as much as possible. And I read somewhere, have no clue where I read this, is that traditional clothing, you have to be covered. You have to do this. You have to wear your hair a certain way. So I went to my first meeting in the longest skirt I could find. I had close toe shoes. And the students looked at me and says, what are you doing? And I was like, I trying to be respectful. And it was like, you don't have to do that. What do you, you know? And I recognize I did all this reading, but I never talked to anybody from the culture. And so I had to pull back because sometimes reading and learning is, is one thing, but if you don't have conversations with people from those identities, you can be missing the mark as well. And I learned so much just by talking to those students, even I still incorporate it into how I program today in terms of how do I separate the food to make sure we have halal meat and veggies do not touch the meat and all this other kind of things. I didn't think about any of that stuff at that time, but now it's ingrained in me because it not only serves one population, but it it serves other populations as well. And so I learned you can read all day too, but miss the step of immersing yourself in those cultures as well and asking questions. And that is a good deal of the work, right? Yeah. Just please share with me and in that dialogue and that interaction between, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just curious and I'm just very interested in everything about you, right? Like that that is part of it. And sometimes you have to be okay with messing up. Um, I always, um, I can't remember if it's, Amber Guyton, I think, uh, I'll tell you her last name. She, she has this video where she talks about the three steps of apologizing. 
Because when you mess up, you're going to mess up, when, especially when you're trying to learn. Um, you acknowledge, you apologize first, acknowledge what you did wrong and say what you're going to do to change going forward. And oftentimes, like if you say the wrong pronouns, if you put people stereotype a different culture and things, it's like, I apologize, I stereotyped you, I didn't know, I apologize, I'm wrong, the wrong clothes to your meeting. <laughs> thought I was being respectful. Now that I know this going forward, I will make sure I ask before I attend. And, and that way people will understand that you're trying to understand who they are and trying to accept them for who they are and meet them where they are as well. How do you reach people that aren't as willing? You know, you you give ample opportunity for students to, to go to events, to go to those yeah. movies and discussions and things like that. But then you also have some folks that they're not going to do that. You know, they're not going to take that Absolutely. step. They're a little more resistant to the idea of it. How do you reach them? Is it the <laughs> policy work to make sure that systemically we are yeah. being open or how, how do you reach those folks? Right now, I would say that as a country, we are the most divisive I have ever seen in my lifetime, in my mother's lifetime, in my grandmother's lifetime. And I speak to my grandmother almost four times a day. And she says, and she's 87. She'll be 87 on Monday. And she says, I've never seen a country so divided. And this is a person who lived in Memphis the day MLK was shot. So I think about her saying this and watching our country now. And in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, I have to be okay with not reaching everybody. And that is okay as well. But I always tell people that even when we do some of our trainings, I, I put a disclaimer. One, I am not trying to change your heart. I might can reach your mind, but I can't change your heart. And that is your truth. Sometimes your truth is your truth. I can't take your truth away from you and you can't take my truth away from me. But I can get you to understand other people's truths. And so I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to change your opinion. I'm just trying to educate you that everyone is out there. And we as students, we as faculty and staff, we have to ensure that those students who are different from us are okay in our classroom, are okay in our student organizations, are okay in our housing facilities. And that's the educational piece that I can do. But sometimes I just cannot change your heart. And I have to be okay with that. As long as I've done what I can and gave you the information, you can walk away and say, that person's wrong. I don't agree. But at least you got the information to make this world a better place for someone else. You don't have to agree with it. And I think that was the hardest lesson for me because I was like, why can't you just make sure that these students are okay? And I'm not trying to, <laughs> if you don't agree with LGBTQ, great, but guess what? There are trans people in your classroom, you know? And so I had to be okay with not changing people's opinions and values. But I can also give you that information as well. And model the way. I think that's and model the way. That's one of the biggest yeah. things. You know, we anyone who's got children in elementary school, like that's one yeah. of the first things they tell them is, you know, <laughs> be the leader you want to be, model the way. Yeah. And I think that's all we can do is try and make yeah. it as good of a place as we can. And it can be so small as putting your pronouns on your, you know, on your signature, or when you have events and you look around the room and there's only women, but there's only men or we're all look alike, 
how can I bring, hey, this person, I, and I did this last night in the event. Um, there was a person walking by and I said, what are you doing right now? Are you, are you busy? I give you five. Uh, well, I did bribe them, but come into our program. <laughs> it's just inviting people in the room so they can be included. But changing the dynamics of the space that you're in kind of helps with that as well. How can people find the Diversity and Inclusion Office on campus? Where, where sure. you're at? How can they get a hold of you if they have questions or they want to go to events? Where's the best way to catch up? We have a lounge area where we all in the Office in Diversity and Inclusion Office, we all have offices over there. We have open door policies. So if our doors are open, especially me, if you hear music in my office, then my door is open and you can come hang out with us. But um, we're behind, we're in the union behind the Office of Student Engagement space. So there's posters of every event um, right now because it's LGBTQ History Month. We have all the different flags up so you can learn about the different, you know, identities through the flags and different things like that. And there's students in there all the time. I just went over there earlier and they're watching Boondocks. Why, I don't know. But I really wanted to sit down and have a conversation with them about Boondocks. <laughs> but um, it's such an open space that I even see faculty and staff over there just sitting, having conversations with students. But I also I have an office over there and I have one in the admin building. And I've, I've told students if they want to have closed door conversations with me and nobody know that they are talking to me, they can come over to the admin building and have a conversation with me closed door. So. Yeah, that's us. Awesome. Thank All you right. so much for being our guest. That was wonderful. Yay! All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time. Yay.